0: Welcome back, everybody. It is John Pollock. It is a special bonus edition of Post Pro Res, two shows a week apart. Myself and WH Park, after all this time away, here we are coming back together on a Sunday night. WH, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm good, John. Uh,
2: a little bit tired. Well, a bit of a long day, but, uh, you know, what kept me going was that I was going to see you again in, in just less than two weeks' time and talk about some uh, important news.
0: Yes. Well, we thought we would uh, do this this emergency bonus show this weekend with uh, the the passing of uh, Antonio Inoki, which uh, the news came down Friday night our time in North America, Saturday in Japan, and it's just it's one of those wh that certainly this that does not come out of left field. We know that uh, Inoki had been in poor health, but you know, coming like such a just a massive figure and that's that's just putting it mildly that's just one of those just so much history um that you can talk about when it comes to Antonio Inoki like among you know the the pillars of this industry i mean many would would assign a spot for Antonio Inoki
2: i mean even more than that within japan itself he is such a cultural icon like if if you see a figure like some kind of whether it's cartoon or statue or something and it has a massive chin and a red scarf you probably know it's about it's it's representing antonio inoki because that that was his trademark look the red scarf his his prominent chin and his you know his countdown you know uh what ichi nissan da you know everyone knew that like if you never ever saw him wrestle you'd still know who antonio inoki was
0: yeah and that's what i was you know you know, I I can only tell from like you know secondhand from people that have lived in the country like the the enormous impact you obviously have that that firsthand experience of Antonio Noki that crossed so many generations and certainly went beyond just a professional wrestling figure and to one of pop culture there.
2: I I mean like his his image is an IP in and of itself to the point where I, I believe like a company he lost the rights to his own likeness to like a pachinko company who could just, we just make pachinko machines with his likeness on it. And he had, he had, he had no say over it. I remember reading that somewhere and I was just like, that's, that's incredible, which, but it goes to show like, like also his, it's an example of what he was like as, as a businessman and like, and like, you know, like just the, the craziness that surrounds him as a promoter of not only wrestling, but of himself as well.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and I think that, like, that is one that, you know, in, in in the wake of his death is that, you know, so much of his, um, you know, history is tied to Giant Baba. I mean, right down to, you know, the two that were among the successors to Ricky Dozan. But you had one that I, I would assume many would equate like a Giant Baba to closer to like a Sam Mushnick figure, while Antonio Noki is much more in your, your Vince McMahon type of uh, reputation, I think, among people.
2: Oh, definitely. When, when you look at, you know, like Giant Baba was, you know, like was known to kind of like um, squash like scandals and try to prevent scandals from happening, especially with wrestlers who work for him. Whereas Antonio Noki was usually the source of a lot of scandals um, and things that he would do within uh, not only, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which he helped found. Um, but also in politics, like he would become a member of the Japanese diet. Um, and, and, you know, like, and controversy followed him in both the world of wrestling and in the world of politics. And, and, but you know, the, the thing is, is regardless of that, and usually scandals can be a real, you know, career k- killer in Japan, but not for him. Like he, he maintained his popularity and so many people just, you know, they just loved him regardless because he he ha- he had that, um, you know, image of like he represented Japan in the world of wrestling uh, in a time when, um, carrying on from that tradition of Rikidozan post-war, where he's like, fe- you know, fending off all these you know foreign invader wrestlers that are coming in, but he's showing the strength of Japan. Noki really took that to a different level with, you know, going into wrestling and fighting people from outside of wrestling, legitimate combat athletes. And, you know, and of course, a lot of those were worked and a lot of his victories were worked, but it didn't matter at the time. People believed it and it added to his aura and just, he was an inspiring figure to a lot of people in Japan for his, for, for, for the generation of the seventies and the eighties.
0: Yeah. And I think like that is su- such a key part was the, the promotional side, um, that he, that he was behind with the formation of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And here was someone just to kind of take people through a timeline. I mean, he, he spends a lot of his formative years, like growing up in, in Brazil. Uh, he goes there as a teenager and then comes back, uh, working under Ricky Dozan as part of the JWA and makes his debut in 1960, the same day as Giant Baba and And Kentaro Oki as well, who was Anoki's first opponent. And it's through the JWA that he temporarily leaves in 1966 to Tokyo Pro Wrestling and comes back to the JWA after that group folds and has this is after Ricky Dozan's death where, you know, business did go, go down significantly, but it has a big resurgence in the late sixties. And then we see his exodus from the JWA where he is allegedly fired from the company. And in the wake of that is New Japan and then months later, uh, all Japan pro wrestling also growing. And thus we have kind of the, the two that were attached at the hip by one another of Anoki and Baba now on separate sides. And that was largely like your industry for the next several decades of, you know, your, your two major groups that would be in competition with each other pretty much with, you know, the odd working relationship at at certain very, very rare times in those next couple of decades.
2: Yeah, the, with Baba and with Inoki, you pretty much have from, from 1972 until about 2000, you have... The two, these two companies, All Japan and New Japan, respectively, dominating business uh, in, in Japan and being immensely influential to you know wrestling styles in North America, uh, to wrestling styles in Mexico as well to some extent, and, and even into into Europe, because both companies you know are bringing in wrestlers from other countries. They are in um kind of like want want them to bring their style to to new japan and all japan but also they want them to take something from their companies and take it to other parts of the world i mean as well as like you know, just for new japan i guess we'll focus more on new japan because that that was noki's company like like he's the one who starts this idea of you know going from pro wrestling and adding elements of like like i want I want this image of pro wrestlers to be the strongest fighters in the world. So he he took that very very seriously like it it's part of like this kind of philosophy of enokiism that that really kind of galvanizes itself in mm-hmm. the 2000s with like you know with the you know the whole idea of like actually putting New Japan pro wrestlers in rings with legitimate shoot fighters with no little to no preparation or training and it backfires on him unfortunately and on, on New Japan but he has this the, the genesis
0: is like like it builds the company. Like that's, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it, it was something like of a time and place. And, you know, to the counter that, you know, all Japan was the one with the NWA hookup. They could bring in all of these foreigners. Anoki had to be a lot more creative and pretty much create these, these dynamics and these stories. And he being like the ultimate defender of professional wrestling to all of these outside combat sports and, you know, ha- had to be a lot more creative, I think, than, than all Japan that had such a, such a steady pipeline of big national us stars to come in and just you know cycle through them also with with all japan it is more of a
2: traditional pro wrestling company in, in terms of its its style in, inside the, the ring but whereas new japan developed the the idea of strong style which is you know very you know uh mercurial you know kind of philosophy like it's i i understand what when New Japan say we do, you know, it's strong style. I understand what it means. It's hard for me to articulate it, but it is based on like, you know, having legit backgrounds or using legitimate shoot fighting tech techniques at the time, because the Noki's own background was in like, you know, judo and karate and, and like real martial arts. And, and then he got into professional wrestling via Ricky Dozan. Um, and there is a difference. If you look stylistically at kind of, new japan all japan style but it, it it's really interesting this philosophy of like how people are trained in the new japan dojo to this even to this day is very much you know comes from the philosophy that inoki uh established early on in the history of new japan for wrestling and, and i would imagine that his photo his portrait is still prominent you know in in the in the dojo itself
0: it's interesting that you look back at history and you always You know, associate, you know, Enoki with New Japan and Baba with All Japan, but it also brings about like had one of them. For, for whatever reason, did not have that ambition to launch their own company. If they could have somehow coexisted in JWA, like it was, it was the greatest thing for the industry that you had these these two giants go their separate ways and not be able to work together. Where there would have been a one a number one and number two if there had been that delineation. Like, and I, I just think like the industry was healthier because of the the fact that these two could not work together and went off and created their own companies.
2: And with the Noki, like he just, you know, he developed, you know, to the biggest stars under his direct tutelage, which would be, you know, Tatsumi Fujinami and Riki Choshu. And then with, with Baba, it was, you know, Junbo Saruta and Tenru. And then when Choshu jumps ship from New Japan to Ultraman, like it creates a renaissance of business, this massive business boom for him. And then when he jumps back to New Japan, Again, he brings this massive business with him because the fans are like so excited to see this guy who was a New Japan guy wrestling in All Japan. Then he wrestled in All Japan. He came back to New Japan. So he created all these fresh matchups. And I- Inoki, you know, it was like really much like Choshi represented Strong Style g- going against the Royal Road, King's Road style of of, of All Japan. And so you have like this idea like Choshi is the representing Inoki and against, you know, like Jumbo Sura and Tenru. It was really fascinating. But and then the whole idea of like, you know, junior heavyweight wrestling really gets its its major platform in New Japan with Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid. And he he provided a platform there and and the idea like Satoru Sayama is very much as a, you know junior heavyweight wrestler, but in the in you know in the vein of you know Inoki's strong style image
0: and uh, new, new japan of course th- their very first card um at, at Oda Ward Gymnasium which is where typically the anniversary card still happens every year to this date it's it's Anoki and Carl Gotch that headlined that first show uh with Carl Gotch winning and then having a rematch months later uh with Anoki uh winning by count out uh, against uh against Carl Gotch and Carl Gotch becomes you know just such a such a hugely influential figure within New Japan as the, as their trainer and somebody that from show number one is very much presented as their major foreigner.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, people like Carl Gotch and I think to a degree, even like Bill Robinson are, you know, like these are guys who epitomize kind of, you know, Americans or, or European stars who, you know, bring that strong style, that element to, to New Japan and differentiate it from, um, you know, all Japan, which was like more in line with like the funk brothers and Stan Hansen and, and wrestlers like that. But if you look at like some of the, the stars that really emerged out of New Japan in the late eighties, big, the big one would be Big Van Vader. Mm-hmm. And he, he develops that gimmick is developed for him in New Japan. And then he's given Leon White is given that gimmick and he, he goes from like this kind of nondescript guy that was in the AWA to becoming like, this monster who's like allowed to like okay just go beat people up and he becomes a star because he beat enoki in i forget the the time limit but he beat him like right away it was and like about three like,
0: minutes like three minutes
2: and and sumo hall goes crazy about you know because of this result and there's like riots and people are like freaking out it's like he, it, that's the level of like popularity and influence that noki had that like he said i'm gonna this guy's gonna beat me i'm gonna make an instant star and we're gonna create like this you know all these headlines and then the rematches are gonna be big business and then matches he's gonna have with fujinami and choshu afterwards he's a he was a very he was not afraid to like lose john to put himself to put other people bo- uh over him because he knew that that was going to create money down the line
0: yeah, and it seemed to be that was also something that you know in those in those formative years for New Japan, and you were bringing in all all the different you know Willem Ruska and of course the famous one with with Muhammad Ali, and there would be many others: Willie Williams, Leon Spinks. But you were building like the legend of Antonio Inoki and, you know, feeding him to these guys. And it did seem like he got to a point where he realized that, you know, he could make some of these people. And the, the Vader one is a perfect example. The very, the very first Tokyo dome. He, he loses to the, uh, um, uh, the, the Russian, uh, Salman so Yes, yes, that was it. And so y- you had like these instances, you know, where he would understand for the good of business, like beating Anoki, like you could make a star in one night.
2: He, he made stars out of, you know, Choshu and Fujinami, but also with the three musketeers, he made stars out of, you know, the great Muda Keiji and Shin Hashimoto and, and Masahiro Choto. Like Choto, I think a little less so, but definitely Mudo and, and Hashimoto benefited from having a rivalry to a degree with Inoki in his like later years.
0: How much of the coverage have you seen over the weekend? Because this has been covered like a lot of mainstream outlets and not just in Japan, but also uh, throughout North America. I would think a lot of that does rely on the, on the Muhammad Ali fight from 1976. Oh, definitely. I think especially here,
2: but in, you know, a little bit of it in Japan, but like a lot of that would be like looking at his life in general, and like his influence in the business of professional wrestling in that country, and what a, again, what a cultural icon he is, and a pop culture, you know, like figure, like you know, you know, you name it, John action figures, T-shirts, bed uh, bed sheets. I'm sure the whole and caboodle. He's he's his image is probably on anything you can think of that can be merchandised. His face is on it.
0: What does the Muhammad Ali fight to the the average person in Japan? Would that be you know a, a fight that is that well known to to the public? I guess like uh, of our generation.
2: Um, of our generation, I I would say less so. I think it's more his overall wrestling career that mm-hmm. is is what he's most famous for. Of course, you know it's part of it. Oh, he fought the most you know the most you know famous boxer in the in the history of that sport in muhammad ali but i think you know once people actually take a look at that fight it's it's it will not live up to any kind of hype you might have imagined in your own head because it's have you ever watched the whole thing i've never watched the whole thing john i think i got like 10 minutes in and i was just like okay i can't watch this this is really boring um and it's not even a it's it's you can't even watch it on a curiosity level it's like how long is he gonna you know just know lie on his back and start kicking away at ali's ali's leg right? it, it becomes very very boring after after a point and I I've never had the you know the the morbid curiosity of like just keeping going through it's like it's like the island death match he has with Masa Saito, Masa Saito. which is like two and a half hours long I I've tried like okay but again like there's a lot of nothing they're like, they're just following each other on this island it's 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 pretty boring if you actually can get through the entire island death match he has with Musasita so you, know, you 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 are a much more patient person than i am
0: like there was like this certain spectacle that he understood uh, of the idea of that this might not be pretty this might not be aesthetically pleasing but there would be that that certain like shock factor that you just want to see how this turns out, like mm. Antonio Noki fighting you know willem Ruska or Alan Coage or an an island death match. It was just like like that side of the promotional end, I think that was his that was his curveball as a promoter in his heyday. Unfortunately, as time evolved, I don't think he did with that mindset and and it became such an achilles heel for him in the latter stage of his you know promotional career that you know is going to separate people's opinions of the good and the bad from Antonio Noki if you only live through one of those generations and not all of them
2: oh definitely I you know for me like as someone who's who's you know fandom in professional wrestling with New Japan is is kind of peaking in the 2000s he becomes a very negative figure to me because his philosophy of like I have he's trying to prove something but it's not him in, in the ring against, you know, like Mirko Krokop or Anderson Silva or or Vanderlei Silva, you know, whoever is, whoever is like fighting in pride. It's Eugene Nagata. It's it's all these other people who are, you know, like to the detriment of of their careers, you know, like in their box office appeals like, OK, we're not going to be where we can't actually beat these guys. So we're not the strongest fighters around. And, and a lot of people lose so much aura. I think the biggest victim of this philosophy, though, was Shinya Hashimoto in, in the feud he had with Naoya Ogawa. And like you went from this guy who's like the, you know, pillar in New Japan. He's like the top star there. It's talks top, top box office draw. And then because Naoya Ogawa double crosses him with, you know, m- seemingly with the with support of Antonio Noki. It, it it destroys his box of appeal and it brings down New Japan business and I don't think Hashimoto ever fully recovers from from that in, that those incidents because he loses to him multiple times and and it's just like you think well who's promoting this it's Noki. it's like why are you letting this guy get away. With doing this to Hashimoto, this makes no business sense at all, but it, it goes to what he believes at the time is like if Hashimoto can't stay, you know, stay in the ring with this legit, you know, uh, you know, uh, fighter, like, I don't want anything to do with them. And disregarding the whole, you know, you know, kind of foundations of, of what pro wrestling should actually be.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other one that comes to mind for me was Yuji Nagata just being thrown into those fights, uh, first with Miracle Krokop, and then with with Fedor Emelianenko, which just sound insane to any like you know and, and nagata was certainly somebody with like an, a very very strong wrestling pedigree but you're talking 10 years removed from any kind of active competition for him and you know he he still went on to have a, a very a very nice career and that's uh, putting it mildly but i think it definitely impacted him especially in in 01 with with that Krokop cop loss and it sort of you know it was it was this risk factor that you know most of them came back harmed by it i would say like nakamura was one that like skated by uh because he was he was able to to show enough with with daniel gracie and it, it propped them up a bit but for, for most like it, it did a lot of harm for them and it was also a public that could discern between professional wrestling and what they were watching with with pride with k1 at the time They they knew that the, the differences and i think it was new japan that was sort of Not leaning into the positives that you can have with professional wrestling, with with booking, with protecting stars, and doing what mixed martial arts could not at the time.
2: Yeah, it's it's not until really the advent of you know like Ghetto getting the book, and and Tanahashi. You know, becoming the top star, and then like really going back to what professional wrestling actually is, and kind of dismissing the elements of like Enochism from the company that it it starts its road to recovery and and hits its peak in like you know 2017 2018, you know, and, and that's because like you know they kind of like okay he's the founder of the company, but we're gonna like kind of ignore him and just kind of promote this idea that we're actually a professional wrestling company. And, you know, I don't, I don't think there's, you know, like the only kind of like trace of Inoki in terms of like wrestling styles that existed in that 2016 to 2019 period is, is Katsuri Shibata, you know, and I think probably for, for the best for business. And, but Inoki, Inoki, like, you know, he goes to farm Inoki genome federation, you know, with, with, you know, like very minimal success, I feel, uh, but his influence is still felt in professional wrestling, you know, even up until, you know, like maybe the last two years of his life.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we were talking me and way on, on Friday, uh, being there for, for that new year's dash card where it was the, the Liger retirement ceremony. And when the video of Enoki came up, like it was like, there was a gasp of this audience that, you know, Antonio Noki for pretty much the post, uh, you know, once, once Ux buys the company and then Bushi Road, like Antonio Noki is sort of just this. I won't say a cloud that hangs over New Japan, but it's just like this, ele- this part of New Japan's history that everyone knows is there, but it's not really recognized. And just to have him on screen, number one, it told you probably the state of his health that he was not there in person, but just having Noki on screen at a New Japan event, it just seemed like to that audience, like that was something they, they could not fathom in 2020 that that could occur.
2: Yeah. I, I it was an, I think I felt it was a nice. Surprise for yeah. us in the audience. Like I felt that way. I was like, oh "My God, it's Antonio Nokia on on the TV screen." You're saying, like, you know, to pay tribute to to Liger in his retirement. Um, but yeah, I think most people there were really happy to see that video, and especially because I think it probably meant a lot to to Dushin Liger to to like have like this legendary figure, you know, pay tribute to him on his on the night of his retirement. Um, but he, again, he's, he, he still meant a lot to long-term fans of the company who stuck through it and would be like, you know, okay, so there's that really unfortunate period, you know, five, six year <laughs> period in the early 2000s, but hey, that's done. This company is really healthy now. Let's, let's appreciate. If he does make appearances, let's appreciate that he did create the company, that he did set the foundations for what is strong style and what is the New Japan pro wrestling philosophy.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that seemed to be something that they were at least hinting towards, like the idea of an Inoki in-person appearance at some point during this 50th anniversary year that you could see clearly like that okada was publicly pushing for and whether it was a result of his health whether there were still lingering politics with the idea of Anoki making an an appearance at at a new japan show uh unfortunately it never happened
2: no and i with okada you can tell like his current like image the way you know especially his ring robe his entrance robe is very much an homage to antonio Anoki because that's kind of the style of you know, like that Inoki would wear or a Giant Baba would wear, but but more and more so like Inoki. And I, I think it's a nice tribute that he does in the year, in the 50th anniversary year of New Japan that he's like, you know, I'm the biggest star right now. I'm going to pay tribute somehow to the biggest star of, you know, the founding years.
0: I, I think Okada... The idea of, you know, really, this has been in Ghetto's model of, like, his, like, this generation's Anoki. The idea of Okada winning the IWGP title now at the Tokyo Dome and ending the show with uh, Ishii Nisanda, like, I could very well oh. see that, that being yeah. the end moment for the Tokyo Dome next year.
2: Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um,
0: you know, I, 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 I'm curious to watch,
2: you know, like, Wrestle Kingdom just to see, like, how he closes the show if he pays tribute to Anoki to now. With, with I, that idea,
0: I, I feel that it, like it, it with his passing, I think it will be a very big embrace now of of Anoki and and the history that that he had with this company. Which I mean, that that was not a history they focused on too much over the, these last you know fifteen years. No, and and it's
2: and all the all the footage of his matches, you know, are are readily available. You know, like right there, you can get it. You know, they have access to put up whatever is not on New Japan World now. And they can get it up really quickly and, and just, start. I, you know, I, I, imagine that they're something that they're working on over there is like putting together a playlist of like his best matches or his most memorable matches, you know, the stuff with Vader, with Tatsumi, Fujinami, with, with Riki Choshu, tons of people, you know, like, you know, his tag team with Seiji Sakaguchi. There's so much out there and, and there's, you know, like I, I would say, I would not say like I'm the biggest, you know, uh, Antonio Noki wrestler fan out there like you know I, it's kind of before my time like his style but there, there's some stuff he does like really engaging you know like uh i actually just watched this this like two out of three falls match with he has with jack briscoe and for the most part i'm like you know it's a it's a little tedious for me but like just the way the intensity him and briscoe have in locking up and just trying to apply holes with one another is really fascinating to watch aspects of that Though, though, like if you're like me and you're not really a huge fan of 70s wrestling i i wouldn't necessarily recommend it watching the whole thing
0: he he is very much like the time and place of you know some of those um some of like the, the work worked fights as well are those any uh, any of those kinds of fights uh, been well fights in quotation marks ones that like th- does that even appeal to you like that that novelty that the curiosity of anoki in in some of these fights no.
2: Professional wrestlers being in legit fights with, you know, like boxers or, you know, judokas or karate champions has no interest for me because I don't watch professional wrestling for that. I watch professional wrestling for because it is professional wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I don't watch, you know, I, I watch kung fu movies because like there's a certain appeal to a kung fu movie versus like a regular action movie for me. And it's kind of like the same with, you know, professional wrestling. If you said to me tomorrow, John, like, let's put Randy Orton against who's the guy from the British boxer Tyson Fury. I have no interest in that. No interest whatsoever.
0: now when it comes to some of the scandals in in his career, you know, there was a big embezzlement scandal in 1983. Um Hisashi Shinma has to st- uh, step down as Booker and Chairman of the Board and Anoki loses his president's title at the time. Just in terms of the culture, is it stunning to you that he has survived some of these scandals and the um j- just the the negative image that that came with it because for the most part, I mean, he was he was Teflon throughout a lot of his career. He did have, you know, later there was, there was a scandal about 10 years later that, I mean, he wasn't reelected to the Japanese diet in 1995, but I mean, he went through a lot that did not ultimately, like he is celebrated a, as a hero today. He is not, he, these scandals to me did not have such a negative impact on his legacy for most. Well, I mean, he also, you know, in 89, he,
2: he did the trip to Iraq. Before yes, the first Gulf War and he you know he negotiated the release of Japanese hostages and that that garnered him a lot of goodwill you know he got these these Japanese citizens out of out of Iraq before the first Gulf War starts and thus you know basically you can you can I think definitively say he's probably saved their lives
0: so to, well again just to go to the, the the scandal of a few years later and like one of the accusations was that like he didn't have the, it was like he was in the right place at the right time. And did he take credit, uh, for, for something that he didn't have direct involvement in? Like that's the difficult part with Anoki is too, is like separating the, the fact from the fiction a, at times as well, because this guy was like the greatest author of his own story. Well, I'm going to say the myth of that, you know, the negotiation
2: probably lives on much even you know, more clearly than the scandal of like, did he actually do anything?
0: You know, so I want to read this from the, uh, the July 12th, 1993 edition of The Observer, and I'll, I'll, uh, keep this, uh, the, this short, but this is right as this, um, this latest scandal is breaking. Uh, from Dave Meltzer, after a three-decade-long run as one of the most popular sports personalities in his country, it appears the final story of Antonio Noki is about to go down in disgrace. After the business breakup of Noki and longtime business manager Hasashi Shinma and the firing by Noki of a political press secretary and confidant who was close to Shinma, the secretary went public in a major magazine with an eight-part story specifying allegations of illegal activities and misuse of funds by Noki. Anoki, the second most famous wrestler ever in japan and no doubt on a worldwide basis the second most famous wrestler in the world in the 70s was voted into the japanese diet in 1989 which signaled the end of his career as a full-time pro wrestler there are two years remaining on the term uh the story grew even bigger this past week when Anoki broke his silence holding a press conference, which was carried live on all four Japanese television networks. So think about that for a second. He calls a press conference and all four networks carry it live. During the press conference, Anoki once again tried to do the carny wrestling angle of blaming his accusers and denying across the board every accusation without offering any evidence or substance for his claims. Anoki claimed everything written in the media about him was false and refused to resign from office, which political writers in the major newspapers had been suggested and demanding as the stories by his former secretary continued to break uh, now we go on here the uh, uh, oh sorry I, there, there was one part here uh Even though Anoki's past was hardly pristine, he was always able to manipulate things to keep himself as a national hero after past indiscretions. However, at this point, Enoki's reputation has gone up in smoke and is thought of by the public as the ultimate dirty politician, like Richard Nixon of two decades ago rather than a sports hero. Anoki even brought religion into it, claiming his decision to fire Shinma was because he received word from God that after 26 years, he and Shinma had to go their separate ways and brought up God's will.
2: Well, you know. Obviously a huge influence on Miro, you know, that, that we're now just discovering, you know, um, again, like I would say the general public, John didn't care. Like honestly, like pol- politics is such a sham in Japan. It's not even funny that like, okay, he, this happened or that happened. Okay. But he's still Antonio Noki we don't care. Like we might not think much of him as a politician, but we, we still think a lot of him as like a sports hero. And, and that's, and at the end of the day, most, most television stations aren't going to focus on those things, John, you know, what they're going to focus on. They're going to show clips of his matches. They're going to show clips of him fighting Ali, you know, just enough to make it still seem like it was interesting. Um, and they're going to focus on the fact that he, you know, after the death of Ricky Doza and he became, the You know, the, the top wrestler in Japan, like Bob, Baba wasn't really going to do that in the 70s. He's because of his his physical condition and stuff like that. But Inoki was able to remain a top wrestling star in ring up until like his retirement in, in like, you know, late the late 80s, early 90s.
0: Yeah, the, the retirement match they ends up having with, with Don Fry, it's, it's a very short match, but they do a $7 million gate at, at the Tokyo Dome. It's like two and a half million dollars or so in merchandise sales. It's like, it's an extraordinary event for his retirement, which is, um, you know, it, it, it's taken as, as gospel at the time, like, a, a, of a wrestling retirement by Antonio Noki in 1998, but one that, you know, it was, you know, it, it, it just showed you the amount of people that showed up for this. Muhammad Ali came over for the retirement as well. And, you know, Anoki and Muhammad Ali, like to me, that will always be the link to the mainstream world of Antonio Anoki's link to to professional pop culture. And there's a massive lineup, John, to get slapped by him,
2: <laughs> you know, so they can he can transfer his his fighting spirit to them. People got in line for this, like waited, like, I don't know, each person waited like 20 minutes to get slapped in the ring by Antonio Noki, including some like stalwarts in, in wrestling and, and, and like celebrities and stuff like that. It's unbelievable.
0: When it comes to matches that that stand out for you in involving uh Inoki, do you go to the, the Vader matches, uh, Fujinami, I mean what would be on your shortlist of matches that you would recommend of people that maybe just want to get a sense of Antonio Anoki that know the name, have read the stories but uh, have seen very little of his actual in ring. I,
2: I would say anything he did, almost anything, almost anything he did with Masaseda. They had a very intense feud. Uh, there's one where like they're handcuffed together. And and Inoki wins, just essentially beating him with punches. Like it's pretty brutal. Like that's 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 kind of on one extreme end. But I, I would say there, there's
0: the the Great Antonio match that has just had a life of its own. Where, oh, yeah. you know, Great Antonio is just not selling for him, and Inoki just beats the hell out of this guy, and that oh, became yeah. a very popular video several years ago. Once, uh, you know, it started just circulating on YouTube, and I think. I can't remember what comedy show it was that like played clips of it and it just had this whole revival, this this video that became very synonymous with him.
2: It's it's very easily accessible if you want to see this this you know match he has with Green Antonio. But I, I'd say the the three that 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 would be really great to to watch. Like any his rivalries with Fujinami, Choshu and Vader. But also the Tenru match where Tenru beats him is 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 a fun match because it's basically it's you know one of Baba's, you know, Students, apprentices taking on Antonio Inoki. So he's, he's you know, Tenru's kind of. You can make an argument like is a proxy for Baba taking on, on the But I mean, Tenru's such a great wrestler. Like he's, he, him and Bob, him and Inoki have a very fun match, and I would recommend that for sure.
0: I don't know if the footage is easily accessible, but one of the big angles they did was involving Tiger Jeet Singh, where. Tiger Jeet Singh attacks him outside of a shopping mall. Oh, yeah. And they played this and that just got uh, Tiger Jeet Singh off and running with uh, Antonio Inoki in terms of influence. And I would say that certainly when you, when you look at his impact of those he influenced, I put Hulk Hogan up there pretty significantly of, you know, for when Hogan was, you know, with the AWA and traveling to, to New Japan and working underneath Inoki. I think, like, seeing Antonio Inoki up close in person and the aura that he possessed, I think that helped Hogan greatly when, you know, he goes to the WWF and, you know, he's he's never been shy about noting, like, Antonio Inoki as, as someone that, you know, he held in, in very high regard and they were, uh, you know, ma- major – that was a major program in 83, 84.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think probably, you know, Noki is probably one of the few people that, you know, Hulk Hogan would be like you know not like you're saying john he wasn't shy about like saying how much he helped him but like you know inoki put him over in japan and helped make him an international star in that country and i think that definitely helps him later on when he when he goes from the awa to the wwf and and like you know like i saw a picture that surfaced of, of inoki at hulk hogan's wedding and it's like this group photo like He's the center of that photo. It's amazing. <laughs> and like Andre the giant is off to the side. Hogan and, and Linda, Linda are like, you know, just right, you know, off to the side. But the focus of this, of this picture at Hulk Hogan's wedding, you would think Hulk Hogan would be the center of every photo at his own wedding, but it's not. There's this one picture with Andre the giant, Hulk Hogan in it, it's in Turnoke. That's it. In the in in the middle of this picture, and I think that tells you all you need to know about like how much Hogan probably was happy that
0: Anoki was at his wedding. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a big impact on him. I, I'm sure someone that you know Vince McMahon learned from uh, as well, like being being in business uh, together when when they had the the alliance with uh, the WWF and and New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. And as we kind of like wind down um, the the discussion here, when you were living over there and you you were there uh two stints that you had living in Japan tell me a bit about just where kind of antonio noki was at that point in his in his career and was it largely just resigned to kind of the mixed martial arts side of things was it just the tail end of his new japan chapter where was it in So this?
2: the first time
0: my first stint was 2000
2: and this is you know basically you know, the kind of the tail end of his involvement with, with new Japan. It's, you know, like where business is, is starting to go down because
0: of the stuff with pride. And, Pride's really taking off that, you know, that year and the next, yeah. but,
2: but he, you know, him doing these like Inoki Bombay shows are keeping his name out there. Like there, these are massive shows that he's part of. Yeah. These which Jersey shows
0: he, he does the first one in 2000. And then like, that turns into a major thing when Pride and K1 start to, uh, run the, the big one was 2003 where you had three shows going on with a Noki show, uh, that had Fedor on it. And there was, you know, an enormous, you know, fallout from that that had implications. And then you had Pride and K1 all going at it. That was the year of Aki Bono and, and Bob Sapp. And suddenly like that, that became the night for professional wrestling and mainly though mixed martial arts and kickboxing.
2: And then I'd say from you know my second stint, which would be the major one, which is almost ten years from two thousand eleven, is is like he's he's there. You don't really associate him with either combat sports, really, or or professional wrestling, but he's there. It's oh, it's Antonio Nuki. He's He's making trips to North
0: Korea. (laughs) He's
2: making trips to North Korea, but he's still showing up on variety shows. Or they talk. Or they're talking about him. He's a trivia question, you know, on 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 talk shows and things like that. And like I said, his IP is all over the place still. Uh pachinko, if you know anything about Japan and the the popularity of pachinko, you know like his like I remember like I'd say 2015-2016, like one of the big news stories was like oh, they're going to come out with a new pachinko machine that has Antonio Noki's likeness on it and it's going to be huge, you know, super popular all across Japan. And I was like, wow, he he still garners that kind of, you know, um, you know, uh, publicity.
0: We just just his image, John. It's not even him. It's just his image. Do Do you see that in Japan? Historical figures like Antonio Noki hold that placement more so than you see, you know, contemporaries in North America. Do you see it similar?
2: Um, I I would say. In North America, like Hulk Hogan, would probably be the closest you would get to, Inoki level like popularity penetration into mainstream culture that Inoki had in Japan. Um, but I think people like Inoki, people like Giant Baba, um, even even someone like Stan Hansen, has a wider range of cultural penetration penetration that most professional wrestlers have uh, in this day and age, like The Rock would be one of the one of the you know examples I would cite in North America but that's I think mainly because of his movie career and less because of his wrestling career now so um yeah in, in- Inoki very very unique man and and you know um him and Giant Baba are are just legends in Japan like beyond being wrestlers or wrestling promoters it's they're just oh giant baba oh antonio inoki you know antonio inoki's chin his red scarf ichi nisan da those those resonate throughout you know popular culture throughout mainstream society in japan and and i don't think
0: you'll you'll see that disappear anytime soon well i think we will wrap things up there it's a Just such a fascinating individual that you can go in so many different directions to talk about, uh, their influence in all these different areas from professional wrestling to mixed martial arts and good and bad. I think like that, that's one thing with Antonio Noki. You cannot just paint it with, um, a brush and, and look at him all in positives. Like there, there were a lot of negatives attached to him. There were scandals attached to him, but the totality, I, I think that he will be a, a figure that, I can't imagine like there would be another figure like this that we'll see in in this industry to have this amount of influence and this level of notoriety in so many different areas. It just doesn't seem like the industry um, could even you know produce a figure like this Uh, again. It's you know it's the end of a major era. Oh, I mean, he he was lucky that he
2: helped kickstart. The you know the the growth of the industry in the seventies with Giant Baba, you know by forming the two biggest helping form one of the two biggest companies in the country and being part of it for more than a decade, and you know I, I I think people who are wrestling fans will always have a fondness for that he started New Japan that he's synonymous with that company and like all the negative stuff will be there but. It'll be, you know, the thing that people will remember is like, hey, he started New Japan Pro Wrestling. His picture is featured prominently in the dojo. At least it used to be. I, I'm not sure if it still is, but it wouldn't surprise me if like there's a picture of the dojo that they show these days. And it's like there's, there's his portrait right there. And I think, you know, that he is, he is the embodiment of, of strong style, whatever that might mean. That he's the embodiment of it and and you can't take that away from him especially now that he's passed away i don't think there's going to be too much negative publicity about him coming out uh, unless there's something some deep dark secret that we don't know about but hopefully not but yeah his legend will live on as like one of the greatest sports figures and
0: celebrities in the history of japan yeah and i would i would imagine like some kind of ceremony or something next week when they have the sumo hall show, you would think like they do something, you know, notable. I know that they did do, um, Something before the the Royal Quest Show over the weekend, but once they 're back in japan for for their next uh, sumo hall show next monday i'm i 'm sure that uh, Antonio Noki will be uh, a big focused upon figure uh, also want to let people know that this weekend you got uh, a double dose of w h Park because the newest edition of the Long and Winding Road uh, Royal Road is out, and what are you chatting about this month
2: so i I got uh Gareth. Uh, Hodgson, who's the creator of the grapple app and, and is one of the people behind uh, the grapple Patreon, uh, to come on and he picked, um, the British Bulldogs taking on Joe and Dean Malenko. And, and John, I, I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but like I go, I right away, I go into the, the, the vests worn by the Bulldogs, Yes, you know, that I, I'm pretty sure are probably hand me downs from Bret Hart, <laughs> uh, and, and the, 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 the amazing sweaters of the blanco brothers that i'm sure were gifts to them from boris during the last Malenko Christmas dinner
0: well check that out it's on the uh, the free feed at postwrestling.com. it's the British Bulldogs against Joe and Dean Malenko from January of 1989 and uh, this was great to do uh, WH two weeks in a row and uh, next time we uh, we get together I'm sure we will talk a bit about um, the stardom five star Grand Prix that wrapped up this weekend there's a great rundown of not just the finals uh, but a whole report card of each performer from the great Karen Peterson up on the site so you can get a whole rundown of uh, Saturday's pay per view.
2: I I when I when I started reading that I was like okay, this is going to take longer than I expected. So I just went and got like a drink and just took my time reading her her very detailed and thorough report. And and the great thing about these things is you know what the thing about Karen's reports is they're not dry because she adds so much of her personality into into these reports. So it's a fun where you get her opinions and and her kind of like. Nuances of, of her character in, in these reports. So definitely check it out. If you're, if you're a Joshi fan, if you're a Stardom fan, you want to know what, what this five star grand prix final was like and like the backstory of a lot of these kind of like matches. Check out dream, her,
0: her report there and also her latest edition of dream slam weekly. Definitely come highly recommended, uh, from WH Park and myself. So that will wrap up, uh, our special bonus edition of post pro res. And thanks to everybody for tuning in.